Learn, innovate news and knowledge with Link Podcast, your link to global supply chain intelligence. I'm your host, Alexis Lizelle Pleasant, Managing Editor at Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. And today we're sitting down with Frank Dreischoff, Vice President of Supply Chain Solutions at R2 Logistics. So hi, Frank. We're going to talk today a little bit about company culture in a 3PL world. If you could give me a little intro to yourself and your background and your position in the company. Sure, Alexis. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Frank Dreischarf. I'm the Vice President of Supply Chain Solutions for R2 Logistics. R2 is a uh, top 50 uh, le- uh, third-party logistics provider in the U.S. Uh, prior to my time with R2, I was the uh, uh, Director of Distribution for Scott's Miracle Grow, uh, Lawn and Garden Products. Prior to that, I was the Director of Corporate Transportation for Ashland Chemical. Uh, Ashland was about a $8 billion company at the time. We had about five business units operating in 110 countries around the world. Uh, before Ashland, I was at XL. XL was one of the largest third-party warehousing companies in the world. I was the Director of Operations where I had 17 warehouses from as far north as Boston to as far south as San Juan, Puerto Rico, and everywhere in between, uh, doing retail replenishment for Maytag, home delivery for uh, Williams-Sonoma, the Pottery Barn, along with a number of other customers. And before all that, I got my start uh, at Overnight Transportation. Right out of college, I went to work for Overnight, started as a dock supervisor, uh, ended up in the um, Uh, executive development program, which led me to the corporate offices in Richmond. And I was with uh, Overnight for five years before I left and joined Excel. Fantastic. And your position at R2, how long have you been in that position? So I've been with R2 for five and a half years, almost six years now. Uh, I lead our LTL division, our supply chain consulting services, as well as our tech services side. Fantastic. So I want to speak a little bit about company culture in a 3PL world. I know that R2 has a unique perspective on company culture with their niche 3PL offerings. Um, can you explain to me the R2 way? Sure. So the the R2 way is a set of uh, 10 principles laid out by our founder and CEO, Ben Gase. Um, ben is a very passionate and kinetic leader, and he believes uh, very deeply in things like um, taking the long view, obsessing over the customer, uh, competing in everything that we do, uh, uh, you know, being different, over communicating, um, and and having a bias for action, a do it now attitude. And how do you think those principles help maintain a positive company culture from within? You know, for us, it's it's. Um, it's sort of like it, it's sort of like the lighthouse at night, keeping you off the rocks, right? It, it, there are guiding principles that really allow our team members uh, freedom to operate. You know, as long as you're obsessing over the customer, trying to do the right thing, um, you're you're over communicating and you're competing, um, and and trying to solve problems for the customer. As long as you're trying to do those things, usually 
more often than not, you're going to end up doing the right thing. And the right thing means doing the right thing for the customer, uh, being proactive, solving problems, um, eliminating issues even before that they can start. Uh, so for us, it's it's sort of imperative for our folks to, to have that bias to action um, and to be customer centric in order for us to, you know, fulfill our role in the market as a high service provider. Sure. And considering that R2 Logistics places a high level on diversity within the 3PL, what key factors have made you stand out? I know you mentioned those that make you a high service provider to your clients. Are there any additional factors that you feel like are pertinent? I, I feel like the, you know, the biggest thing is, is just um, within our, our team members themselves, right? I mean, we have, we have a very, very diverse workforce. However, they all have sort of some universal traits in common. And there are things that, you know, we actively look for in the hiring process. Um, they're, you know, they're, uh, are, you know, do you have um, a do it now mentality? Um, are you a very competitive person or not? Uh, do you uh, identify personally with your customers and want to do the right things for them? Those sorts of things. Uh, that leads us to have, you know, one, a, a very diverse uh, workforce, while at the same time having a lot of uh, uh, homogeneity, uh, a very homogeneous organization that's focused directly on the customer. And how do these factors play into hiring and retention? I know right now, especially with worker shortage, it's a it's a big issue. How has all of that kind of culminated into dealing with retention rates, training, hiring, management, all of those things? From a from a retention standpoint, oddly enough, we're or not oddly enough, but one of our sort of claims to fame is is we do not have a a lot of uh, turnover uh, with our employee base, especially after you know we've you know we have our entry level roles, and then as they progress through the organization, uh, once folks have moved into sort of that that a you know we have our ASRs or account service reps that come in. And that's sort of our entry level role. Then we have account executives and then branch managers and things of that nature. Once we've migrated folks from that uh, account service role into that account executive or even uh, carrier sales type roles, uh, our, our turnover numbers are very, very low. And we attribute that to a couple of things, one of which is uh, how we qualify candidates in the first place. Uh, you know, sort of those personality traits that I mentioned earlier that we're looking for. Uh, what we have found is that if we find somebody who has a lot of common sense, uh, cares about the customer, wants to compete, um, and can can sort of take the long view uh, with respect to, you know, building their book of business and uh, servicing the customer, uh, we find that they do very, very well uh, in our system. And tend to be very, very happy uh, with what they're doing. And have you seen any worker shortage or anything like that within your hiring <laughs> process recently? Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> It's probably, probably the single largest issue that we're facing today is, um, you know, obviously the, 
the the unemployment rate is very very low post covid everybody is dealing with worker shortages and whatnot one of the things that we have not compromised on however is uh, in our hiring standards and the type of people that we're looking for uh, reason being is you know the wrong hire can do a lot of a lot more damage than than not having somebody in the role so we would rather be a little more patient take our time find the right person for the role and then put them in it rather than just trying to take the you know sort of any warm body approach absolutely i feel like that's helpful for anyone within that position today. And speaking of different challenges that have popped up, especially stemming from COVID-19, um, within this time of uncertainty in the supply chain, how did these ideals help your top 50 customers overcome challenges? Yeah, so you know, for us, when, when COVID hit, it brought obviously a ton of uncertainty into the supply chain. Uh, transportation markets were thrown on their heads, um, you know, the global supply chain itself was was thrown into a state of flux and all of our top 50 customers needed help. Um, now, we service, you know, hundreds of customers uh, in any given month. However, when we start looking at our top 50 customers uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they needed significant help. We we grew our profile with our top 50 customers anywhere from 100 percent to 500 percent or more. And that's a that's a ton of growth to take on in a very short period of time. The reality is, is we have a very good reputation with uh, in the industry. And we have a very, very good reputation with our customers. And we have always made it our mission to, uh, you know, to be there when, you know, when they need help and to give them the support that they need. Uh, and we didn't we didn't stray away from that. Now, we had to make some decisions. Uh, between strategic customers who you know might be in our top 50 and tactical customers which say might be in our bottom 50 uh, around you know resource allocation and things like that uh, but for customers that uh, had done the work over time of building relationships with their carriers uh, building relationships within the transportation community um, that view long-term relationships as an asset uh, they were they were the least ones hurt uh, in the in the supply chain disruptions of call it 2020 and 2021. And we made it our mission to make sure that, you know, our strategic customers weren't going to be hurt, uh, certainly weren't going to be hurt by us and they weren't going to lack for capacity. Great. Well, I think overall, I'm hearing a sense of relationship, even as far as hiring process, your employees, and also with your customers. I think it seems that R2 has a great grasp and handle on maintaining relationships and fueling those to ultimately improve and create that awesome R2 way uh, within your company culture. So I love hearing about that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Frank, for sitting down with us today for part one of our three-part series with R2 Logistics. You can find the rest of the episodes on foodlogistics.com and supplyanddemandchainexecutive.com. <music>